1: Hey everybody, and welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and brightest from the world of business, marketing and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. So for those of you that have been following along my career journey, you may have noticed that I've had some guests on that have played an integral part to my career journey and Jeff Stewart played a very pivotal one. Back in 2012, he's recruited a lot of people so hopefully you can remember this one. So he recruited me for my role at Irwin Penland. I was associate director of digital over there and it was the most favorite job that I've ever had in my career hands down the best people it was just incredible Um, so I remember a couple of very distinct things about working with Jeff first this dude was a smooth operator he was smooth as silk and I could see him smirking on the camera over there he wasn't salesy he just got it done he got down to business which which makes sense because he was a former poker player which I think really um, helped out into it so I remember specifically when I got my actual offer, I remember where I was. I was walking at a Bye Bye Baby. My daughter was a couple years old at the time, and he called me to make the offer. And he got me 30K more than I was looking for. And I was like utter excitement. I mean, I was floored. I think I walked into the, to the automatic doors there. And after it all kind of set in, I remember thinking, shit, I, I, I think I, I want to do and I could do what he does one day. And seriously, that was the first time I ever thought about recruiting and that was three years before I even ventured into it. So it was pretty incredible. So during my time at Erwin Pellin and afterwards, Jeff and I stayed close. And when it came time for me to pivot into recruiting, he was one of the first people I called when I was doing my due diligence. And Jeff really spent the time to you know, really tell me the ups, the downs, the, the roller coaster, the financial implications of recruiting. And, and, and I told him before how much I appreciate that and how much it meant to me. Um, you know, I hold him in the highest regards in our profession as somebody who did it right, and that's something I tried to emulate. Always a class act and always a professional, and he did right by me and right by everyone else. So a couple years ago, Jeff had his own pivot, um, and today he is now a talent strategy consultant at LinkedIn, and he'll tell us a little bit about what that is, but he spends his time helping talent leaders from all industries better understand the behavior of their target audiences, competitors, and really just how to craft those winning strategies um, and using the platforms as well as working with their teams there. As I mentioned, prior to LinkedIn, he was an agency recruiter who just kicked ass. He was incredible, best in class um, in the digital world that we live in, and just really one of the best recruiters that I've ever worked with, and someone you know, I really look up to. Jeff is a man, and today he's going to drop some inside knowledge on how both candidates and brands can best utilize the platform, and a whole lot more. And I know that was a long intro, but well-deserved. Jeff, welcome to the
0: podcast
1: hey, man, you can make the intro as long as you want if it's that kind. I got no problem with that. <laughs> I feel sometimes, I don't know if you're a pro wrestling fan, I feel like I should do it more as like a wrestling intro, right? Or like when the wrestlers come out with the, with the smoke and everything and, and kind of do that act on. So why don't we start off and, you know, just give my tribe a little bit of your origin story and, and tell, tell everybody how you got to where you are today. Sure. Uh, yeah. A lot of what my story is, is
0: unusual. You touched on a couple of parts of it, but uh, as you referenced, was a professional poker player for a while, did that for about six years, uh, sort of randomly got into that, that's a story for another day, um, but really enjoyed that lifestyle, uh, found it really interesting, traveled a lot, whatever, uh, ended up meeting my now wife in a swimming pool in Las Vegas, uh, and we dated long distance for a while and then got married, and I moved here to New Jersey, just outside New York City, and uh decided that I needed to get a real job so that my father-in-law would uh, hate me a little less. So uh, kind of randomly fell into recruiting so that true. way. And it, I mean, you know this as well as anybody, there aren't too many people that grow up uh, dreaming of being a recruiter, right? It's just something that, that you sort of fall into and you figure out whether or not you're good at it. And uh, I really enjoyed that world. And uh, working with you actually was, I think, one of my one of my really early placements because I started at mm-hmm. the beginning of 2012, if, if I'm remembering right.
1: Um, yeah, that was that was. I think I started in November 2012, something like that. Yeah, so yeah. it
0: would have been within my within my first year.
1: Couldn't even tell. Um, couldn't even tell you we just started, man.
0: I appreciate that. <laughs> um, and you know, I mean, I think you just touched on something that is uh, really important to success in that world. And I think something that uh, has been a big part of your success is really putting the relationships front and center. Um, and for me, that was always all about uh, honesty and just making sure people knew where they stood and uh, trying to keep lines of communication open, being straight with people. I think there are too many recruiters that say what they think people want to hear instead of uh, you know telling them really what's going on. So,
1: yeah, a- absolutely, and, and we'll we'll circle back on that in a minute. But let's let's jump in. Um, tell everybody kind of what what you do for LinkedIn. I mean, LinkedIn is a tremendous organization. There's lots of functions there. Um, what do you do for LinkedIn now?
0: Yeah, I mean, the short answer is sales. Uh, I'm a relationship manager that works only with existing customers. And I work with our corporate customers as opposed to our staffing. Um, and really, my role is to you know, partner with talent leaders uh, who are looking to grow their companies and help them to build out their talent strategy and help them understand how they can best leverage the LinkedIn platform to meet their talent goals.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. But you know, how do you feel that your experience as a recruiter, somebody who is in the trenches, really helps you now in your day to day at LinkedIn?
0: I think it helps immensely from a position of empathy. You know, I've, I've done what they're trying to do, um, and you know, I understand their world in that sense. I also, um, you know, I understand the value proposition of people like yourself, and you know, the the sort of ROI considerations of. Really bringing in top talent and doing so quickly, and so helping talent leaders to understand sort of the revenue impact of the work that they do and how to communicate that internally. They also have found really helpful, uh, and that's something that I kind of learned on the uh, on the agency side because you've got to be able to, you know, justify the business of that investment of a significant uh, fee sometimes, right. and making sure that people understand that it's going to be a positive bottom line impact.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And here, here's something I'd love to get your take on. So, you know, I've been on LinkedIn since 2006, early adopter. And when LinkedIn was really established, as that business platform, the quote unquote job platform where people went for jobs. And it's evolved so much in the last 13 years since I joined. And it's becoming much more of a, a kind of a, a holistic, more ever present, you know, social space where it's a lot of quote unquote influencers um, and people generating a lot of content. And in my opinion, I think it's, I think twofold. One, I think it's diluting. Um, The pure job play, which is okay, depending how you look at it. But for folks in the recruitment industry, there's a lot of noise out there. Um, So for folks like me, it's really about personal branding and really establishing it. But from the LinkedIn sales point of view, you know, talking to brands about still driving the the job activity, are you seeing any friction on that? So there has been a really
0: intentional strategic evolution uh, of LinkedIn and making sure that we're adding value for our members at every point in their professional journey. So, you know, we don't want to be a place that people come when they're looking for a job or when they're looking to hire. We want to be a platform where people come to get value uh, throughout their professional journey. So content has become king and you recognize that as well as anybody. That evolution, uh, particularly over the last three to five years, has been intentional and continues to accelerate. Um, And so when I'm consulting with customers on, uh, you know, how can you attract and engage the very best talent? It, it can't be uh, just about direct sourcing. It can't be just about positioning uh, open opportunities. It has to be about establishing yourself as an awesome place to work. And you have to take a much more right. holistic view if you want to do that and you want to win in, in such a competitive field right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I preach that to my clients all the time. I'm like, take your thought leaders within your company and have them create. And it could be everything. I mean, we, we talked about the long form, the short form copy. We talked about the video LinkedIn live, which is in beta form right now, which is incredible. And I'm, I'm curious on your thoughts on that in a little bit, but I preach them as well. And at the same time, I also preach to candidates too. If you're in the job market, or if you're not, even if you're a passive candidate, you want to have that name recognition. You want to establish yourself. For example, you know, if I'm if I'm Jane Smith and I'm an expert in you know programmatic programmatic biddable media, put out a couple articles so when that time comes when you're in the job market, you know people could search for you. Um, so let's let's go back to companies a little bit. Let's talk about that. And you spoke in addition to creating content. What are some things? that companies and brands could do um, on LinkedIn better? You know, whether it be branding, whether it be, you know, candidate attraction, what are some of the things that are working, some of the things that are not working?
0: Well, I think what has to come first is actually understanding your audience, you know, being thoughtful about who you're trying to attract, who you're trying to engage. Um, And if you're not taking the time at the front end to consider what audience you're trying to uh, really develop, then it's hard to be thoughtful about how to do it. So that's really where you want to start is sort of a segmentation of who are the types of people that we want to build right. a strong brand affinity with. And then you figure out what are the channels, what are the messages that we really want to deliver to those people.
1: Yeah, 100 percent. And one of the things that you talk about, and I assume you talk about this with your with your clients and I do, it's it's the ROI of employer branding when company, it it costs money to create content. Even this podcast costs money. It costs time for production. It costs time, you know, taking away from, from producing and hitting that bottom line. But what is the ROI of employer branding on LinkedIn specifically?
0: Well, it really comes back to what are you trying to accomplish? You know, when we're talking about ROI, it varies from one organization to the next. It depends on uh, what type of people you're trying to hire. You know, if we're talking about the ROI of hiring top performing salespeople, it It can be a fairly linear uh conversation right it's what's the what's the difference the bottom line difference between sort of a top uh, quartile performer and maybe a third quartile performer what's that bottom line revenue impact and and that allows us to have a starting point for okay here's why we need to invest in attracting more top producing passive talent that are you know going to club at their current organization, not cruising job boards. Um, whereas if you're talking about engineers, it's a very different conversation. If you're talking about trying to pe- attract people, excuse me, to work in a call center, it's a very different conversation. So it, it really does depend. There are a lot of factors that we look at.
1: Right. And when it comes down to the competition out there, there's obviously niche job boards and everything, but like, what are some things that LinkedIn, you know, does aside from just being on LinkedIn? I mean, and they, they kind of moved away from the LinkedIn, uh, local events. But in my opinion, I thought, I thought that was a very big attraction point that they're taking away, but not everybody's on LinkedIn. Certain salespeople aren't on LinkedIn. I mean, how do companies reach out to those folks?
0: You know, it's interesting that you bring that up, actually. So I've been doing a lot of uh, workshops with a lot of different customers on who they're trying to attract um, and, sort of spend a lot of time standing at a whiteboard instead of going through PowerPoint decks Mm -hmm. um, and really understanding, you know, what's important for them. And most of the time, what they tell me is uh, their absolute top priority is quality over speed and cost. They need to make sure that they're getting the very best people. And then it's understanding what's the profile of a top quality person. And most of them tell me that a top performer is, uh, is going to be pretty digitally engaged. They want people that are actively trying to learn about what's going on in their industry. If they're talking about salespeople in particular, they want people who are uh, using digital channels to engage with their prospects and their customers to share their own thought leadership, to build their own personal brand. And, you know, LinkedIn is, is a place that people right. do spend a lot of time doing that. So uh, it, it makes sense as a primary channel for some of those functions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a big fan of the news feed, uh, the, the morning updates that I get. I actually utilize it because it's tailored. The algorithm tailors it to, to my interest and in what I'm looking at. So I get a lot of things related to my business that I'm able to incorporate into when I talk to my clients and when I talk to candidates. And that keeps me relevant and in the know. So I think that's a huge feature as well. So let's switch over to candidates a little bit. I'm not sure how much um, you still provide actionable strategy from the candidate perspective. But I, I have a good I have a good feeling you're pretty knowledgeable on that. So in your opinion, you know, what are some things that candidates could do better to utilize the LinkedIn platform? We spoke about you know content creation and thought leadership, but let's get a little bit of nuts and bolts there. What are some things, what are some features that they might be underutilizing? I mean, so the
0: first thing, the most fundamental thing is your own personal profile, right? Making sure that uh, your profile is an accurate representation of the value that you bring. It doesn't need to be a full resume, but uh, it should really represent the value that you add. Uh, Some really simple stuff, make sure you've got a photo. Uh, That makes a huge difference in whether recruiters are going to look at your profile. Um, But I assume that all of your listeners know something that basic. So then it's a, it's a question of really describing the value that you add to these organizations that you've worked for, um, making sure that you're thoughtful about what skills you're indicating. Uh, the LinkedIn platform has in the last year uh, really started to elevate the value and importance of skills fields.
1: Yeah, because it so, was down for a little bit. You know, people, I know personally I didn't, and I felt it was also inflated too, where people had you know, 500 skills instead of being focused.
0: Yeah. So we do put a cap on the number of skills that you can uh, list there and uh, we prioritize skills that people endorse you for. So, you know, make sure that you're being authentic. You talk about authenticity a lot on this podcast and I'm a huge, huge advocate for authenticity, uh, both on the brand side and on the candidate side. So make sure that you're listing skills that you, that you really do have um, and areas where you can add value Uh, and then engage with your peers, you know, uh, I would, it's not just about producing your own content and it doesn't have to be fancy long form content, doesn't have to be a podcast. Um, just share your thoughts, share articles with a, a one sentence preamble of why you found it interesting, engage with the stuff that other people are sharing, Right. you know, just be active.
1: And, and I think that's a huge point too, it's active and, and I think it's not just liking. It's funny, I saw, I finally got the update today, this morning where I can now choose, you know, my, my comment, whether it be a like or a clap. I'll hold my opinion on that. I think, I think, I mean, but actually, you know what? I will share it a little bit. I think it's taking a page from, from Facebook. I don't think it's necessary. Um, but I am, I think it's cool that they're testing different things and different levels of engagement. But when can I tell everybody, when you engage, add some value and it comes back to adding value. Don't just say, hey, Brian, awesome post, man. You know, that's great. Hey, Jeff, I really love like what you said there. Add value, add to the conversation. Now, another hot topic, and I don't know if you can't comment on it, I don't know if you want to. But another hot topic is engagement pods, and for those of you that don't know out there, and we've talked about this earlier, um, engagement pods are, are groups of, of, of like-minded people where you know they come together, and you know this is just my take on it, and, and some people have a positive take and a negative take, where you know they, they're in the same field and they're sharing engagement, engaging content. But there's also a, a unwritten rule where if you're in one of these engagement pods, that you're agreeing to like and comment on other people's posts within that. Pod to, to drive the algorithm, to drive the engagement, to drive what we call on LinkedIn, velocity. Velocity is you know, how fast your content moves and is seen by other people on the platform. What are your thoughts on engagement, Pods? It comes back to authenticity, like we talked about before. You know, if, you, uh, if you have a group
0: of connections that are like-minded and that you tend to agree with their perspectives, and when they post something, you wanna share it, you wanna like it, you wanna comment on it because you authentically think that it's gonna add value for your connections, I think that's great. If you get yourself in a situation where you feel compelled to like, comment, on share, regardless of how you feel about that content, then I don't see that as being authentic at all.
1: Yeah, and and I think that is going, it's gonna be flushed out and it's gonna come to the surface one day. I think that there's a lot of people out there that are gaming the system and they're trying to monetize on it. And in one sense, kudos to them. If you're figuring out how to do this and you're driving engagement and whether you're selling a service, a coaching or, or, or some kind of consultancy, and your exposure is being maximized by views, and, and you're getting it done. That's fine. But if you could go home and sleep at night knowing that you did it right and you're authentic, then you know, you know, what am I going to say about that? So let's switch it over to, to the personal side um, a little bit. I'd love to to dig into the to the real Jeff Stewart here. Jeff, what what is the greatest failure that you've had in your career, and what did you learn from it? Oh man, um, there've been a
0: lot. <laughs>
1: we all have, right?
0: You know. Um, I think I had probably my biggest, my most obvious failures were at the poker table, um, where, you know, that's a world where the best player does not always win. Uh, that's just not the way math works, right? You're, you're playing the odds, you're trying to put yourself in an advantageous position relative to those odds all the time. Uh, you're playing against other highly skilled players, especially if you're playing at a high stakes uh, table. And uh, I took some, I took some beatings, you know, there were definitely some days where, uh, you know, I took it on the chin. And uh, I think what I learned from those experiences is mostly uh, how critical it is to learn from those experiences. You know, it's not like there are a lot of applicable things from, you know, what did I learn about the mistakes I made at the poker table today to what I'm doing now. But the most critical thing that I learned is the ability to uh, not feel sorry for yourself, to stop, look back, think critically about uh, the choices that you made and determine whether those were the right choices or not. And really understanding that uh, it's not a question of, did you get the right outcome? It's a question of, did you take the right steps? And you're no, not absolutely. always in control of outcomes, but you're in control of your own actions. And I think uh, sometimes if people uh, in that world, you know, you have a winning day and then you don't think critically about the choices you made, where maybe you, uh, you made mistakes. And if you have a losing day, uh, then either you beat yourself up or you blame bad luck, you know, and you're not looking for opportunities to learn and grow.
1: Yeah, and, 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 and I think you would agree that, I mean, po- for being a professional poker player, the lessons you learn from that really set you up into that pivot into recruiting. It's the same thing. Recruiting is like baseball. Like if you're, if you're a 300 hitter in recruiting, you're a hall of famer. If you're closing 30% of every deal that comes your way, not only are you killing it fine, I mean, that is the top of the game, and recruiting is a numbers game. And I think the poker skills really kind of put you in a position to understand the odds, understand... Where you should focus your time, where you should focus your money, and where where to double down. So, Jeff, what you know, what has been the greatest success in your career? I mean, where I am today, I couldn't be happier.
0: Honestly, um, I was uh, certainly not looking to make a change at the time that I made a change. You know, uh, was was having success, was very happy in my role, uh, but I knew some people at LinkedIn, and they were all kind of drinking the Kool Aid. Um, and it was actually my wife that really encouraged me to, you know, go and pursue something new. And the reason that uh, I think I made the the choice to do that is because I didn't feel like I was learning at the pace that I wanted to be learning anymore. And I really wanted to challenge myself and wanted to grow. So, uh, the biggest success was being willing to take a a step back financially on paper, uh, into a new role and trusting myself that I was going to be able to have the kind of success I needed to have to close that gap. Um, and thankfully, was able to do that. And now I'm I'm learning and growing at a much faster pace than I had in awesome. the long time.
1: So two quick things I want to take away from that. One, and something that I, I I drill in is betting on yourself. Always bet on yourself. Double down on yourself. And and that's what I did when I went into recruiting. You know your strengths, man. You know you'd be great at. It. And the second point is having that rock, your spouse, your significant other, who's going to support you, and know that you're taking a step. You, you took a little step backward to take a big step forward to, to be in a, in a different place in your career and a different place for your family, you know, where you were, you know, 10 years ago, you know, when you weren't married, married and you were traveling and playing poker is a lot different where you are now, you know, sitting in your suburban house with your two kids and that's a different phase of life. I mean, I'm in the same freaking place as you, man, and you have to make those choices, but having that partner by your side that trusts you, you trust them and you're there for each other um, is critical. So Jeff, two, two final questions that I ask every guest, on the podcast. First, what is your superpower? And I'm not asking, you know, if you could have anything like invisibility or super strength or anything, but Jeff, what's, what's your superpower?
0: I think it's the ability to earn trust and align on value. Um, I think that comes from a place of empathy, but really being able to uh, earn the trust of the people that I'm working with, whether it's my colleagues, my customers, uh, my boss, uh, the people that work for me, and, and aligning on value, understanding what matters to them and making sure that uh, I'm working toward things that are going to really move the needle for them.
1: Awesome. And last question, when things are going great, when you're showing gratitude, when you want to look up and just be thankful, and when things aren't going well, when you're having a tough day, tough client, tough situation, things aren't going well per- professionally or personally, what do you look to? What, what is your North Star? My family.
0: You know, I mean, my family and my faith, really. Um, you talked about having a, having a rock, and, you know, my wife is, is so incredibly supportive and um, she's supportive sometimes when I don't need I don't realize I need the support uh, where she'll uh, she'll sort of pull me out of a funk. She'll get me refocused. Um, and, you know, coming home to my kids every day, it, frankly, it doesn't matter that much what happens throughout my day. When I come through that door and my kids come running over and, and you know, want to play hide and seek with me, uh, it just makes no difference what happens to me all day long.
1: Right. There, there's, there's really nothing better than that than, than coming home. Jeff, this, this was awesome. So, closing thoughts, everybody. Playing the long game has been a day one pillar of my career. It's in my DNA and it's essential to my success. However, there are people along the way who have, have helped me to reinforce this, and Jeff is one of those. He has also been an inspiration when I pivoted into recruiting, as he showed me how to do it right by the way he treated me during and after he placed me in my role. And it wasn't one and done, it was consistent feedback, staying connected. And as he mentioned, being open, honest, truthful, and authentic. And that's something that I've taken with me at every step of the way with every client and candidate that I work with. He left a a long lasting impression and affected me of of how I operate as a a recruiter and a a professional. So it's important to surround and associate yourself with the best people who do things the right way. And I guarantee it's gonna leave a lasting impression on you. I wanna thank Jeff again for how he helped me succeed in my career. Um, And I look forward to continuing our relationship. I mean, we're talking offline. Um, Both gonna be heading out to LinkedIn Connect um, Talent Summit in, in September in Dallas, which is going to be awesome. I can't wait to reconnect with Jeff and, and just make tons of connections. And I remind everybody keep building those long lasting relationships. Don't burn bridges. You know, don't, I mean, don't, yeah, just don't burn them. Just keep, you know, keep people close to you. Um, Jeff, this has been awesome. Where can folks connect with you? Where could they find you? Uh, there's this site called LinkedIn. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar <laughs> with it. I got a, a
0: good presence there. Um, always happy to connect with people there. Um, and really, I want to thank you for having me on Adam. This was a lot of fun. And for me, it's just, it's so much fun to watch the way your career has grown and developed and all the different pivot points that you've taken. Um, and
1: you know, your, your willingness to bet on yourself has obviously been working out. So keep it up, man. And I appreciate that, man. To everyone listening. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Please be sure to follow us, subscribe, click on the links below. I'll have everything in there. And again, remember, take your online offline. I appreciate everybody for listening. Take care and catch us next week for another great episode of The podcast.
0: Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode jam-packed with more incredible humans. For more info, please visit www.nhptalentgroup.com.